Thank you for tuning in to Coffee with Comic. I'm Brian Coffin. We're here with comic Emily Maverick Shankman. Emily Maverick Shankman, how the hell are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty well this morning. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. Thank you so much for coming on and let us know your socials. I got—I know I follow you everywhere. Are you Emily Maverick or Emily Shankman? What what name can we find yeah. on socials? I am Emily underscore Maverick on all my Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. So now, now what made you decide that you were the Maverick rather than the Shankman? Yes. So actually Maverick is my middle name. So my great, 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 I think it might be three to four greats. um, Grandfather Samuel Maverick was the first person to ever raise cows without a brand. And so that is why we know Maverick to be some sort of rebellious nature going against the traditional status quo. So I think that's a pretty cool um, origin story of the name. And I like to embody uh, being a little bit alternative and going against uh, what's expected of me. Well, then, I mean, that leads me to the next question, which is how are you displaying your maverick tendency and your, uh, your genetics, your maverick genetics uh, for your upcoming projects that you're excited about? Yeah, so um, I'm doing a lot of different things. I think in terms of how I express my inner maverick, it's probably doing a million different things that sometimes seem unrelated, but to me, they all kind of fit together in a um, puzzle that excites me and feels very dynamic. So I uh, just recently wrapped up making a short film for um, a a short film competition, and it just made it into the top 20, and it will be screened ne- next week. Um, and it's a very interesting film that I feel like explores a lot of um, different genres. So it kind of has this eternal sunshine of the spotless mind meets black mirror kind of surreal aspect. And I really liked exploring uh, that aspect of my mind and creative interests um it was well, yeah what's the name what's the name in the plot is that the oh that's yeah. bleak here on instagram or no <laughs> it's not so okay. it's going to be, yes um that is another another project that uh was a fun thing that my friend and i um were always speak uh sp- seeing bleak content everywhere and, uh, <laughs> and you liked it or you, you disapproved or you liked it it got a little too real once the <laughs> pandemic hit. I will say that it was a lot more funny uh, when things were a bit more um, stabilized and we were pointing out some of the bleak nature in the world, but um, it was a fun project. I haven't updated it in a bit, but this, uh, <laughs> yes. you're, you're like, it is way too bleak to point out what's it's, bleak about yeah, this. Yeah, it was starting to bring, bring us a little too far down. So uh, yeah. yeah, I had, I had Nick Waverski on, and he has kind of a famous dog account, and and he said he stopped posting it during the pandemic because he thought nobody wanted to see dog videos. I'm just like, dude, that's what we need to see at the most. We need like, that. Yes, yeah, that's the non-bleak content. That we want <laughs> You'll sure. have a new a new spinoff. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. uh, that's the opposite of bleak or something. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, what's the name of the film and kind of what's yeah. its plot, real quick? Yeah, so it's called Microdosing You. And the idea is that we can take a pill that mimics another person's sensory experience. So (sighs) maybe they're um, the way they see the world, the way they hear and the way they feel, but you still have your own thoughts. And so um, in this particular short, I explored that with a couple who was fighting and seeing how it helped them understand each other a little bit more. And I hope to, you know, it's kind of more of a concept piece for a larger idea. I want to build it out to see how it can have different effects. Like somebody 
taking too much of somebody or taking two people at the same time. And just, you know, it is a fun um, jumping off place, I think, for a lot of different uh, little vignettes into how experiencing someone else's sensory experience could help or harm things. Yeah, that is really cool because it's like you're so me your whole life that to be able to take a pill just, you know, and get somebody else's kind of take on things because you're going to come out of that being like, dude why the fuck is this your worldview? I mean, mine is totally right. opposite because then you can kind of discuss it and be like, that seems bizarre that your underlying assumptions of everything is this, that, and the other when I assume the opposite. And it would exactly. really kind of teach everybody just, I don't know, to be uh, less worried about things and less, um, I mean, well, I mean, also cause, cause people to be less excited about things because your expectations would be, you're like, why the hell does that excite you? What a stupid centering experience you have. I mean, yeah, it's right. totally just, it's right for comedy. So who came up with that idea? You? I did. Yeah, I absolutely did. So it was that's a, Maverick. Yeah. You don't need Maverick. to say anymore. That is so Maverick. I mean, I know Emily Maverick <laughs> is, uh, is a Maverick because of that idea. I mean, I, yeah, nobody's done it before. And when it comes to a good idea like that, you're like, how the fuck has nobody done it before? And it's just like, yeah, everybody was branding their cattle until your great, yeah. great, great, great grandfather <laughs> come along. You know what? Exactly. That's very <laughs> true. I love it. <laughs> so that's cool. And then real quick, what we're going to be talking about is you know, kind of what you touched on with the whole, you know, you being interested in kind of op, you know, seemingly opposite things, and you're going to tie them together for me and teach me that they're not opposite at all. And that was one of the topics was um, kind of setting boundaries and how you're kind of, um, you might be getting better at that. But then the other idea is clowning, you've gotten into clowning. And I would think that as a clown, you would need to kind of break through people's defenses with, I don't know, goofiness or whatever, just kind of insert yourself into their life to make them happier. And that kind of seems to be breaking down boundaries. So how'd you get interested? How'd you get interested in both? Do they scratch different itches? And so are they opposite or not really? Interesting. Yes. I love that. Um, so in terms of boundaries, I think just as a person growing up, I've always been extremely kind and sometimes had terrible boundaries because (laughs) I just empathize with what people are going through and I don't want anyone <laughs> to be feeling bad. And it's like, yes, I, you're treating me like shit. Cause you're in a bad place. All right. Exactly. Keep, keep Carry on. <laughs> yes. So it's, it gets difficult for me to um, kind of have boundaries within my life because I absorb people's energies or I try to, you know, accommodate, or um, I'm always afraid I'm offending somebody, which is not helpful in comedy and is something I'm always <laughs> breaking through because we got to be edgy and say what we want to say and be ourselves. Uh, and also protecting my time. So, you know, a lot of, you know, people, when we're artists, we have to make sure to tend to our inner artist and give ourselves time to think and create and write and um, just do what we need to do to thrive. But in a world where kind of we're always just being asked to do things or um, wanting to help others, it can be really easy to get swept away into just spending time with other people and maybe kind of leaking my energy and not feeling restored as a person. Uh, And then always trying to evaluate, you know, is this something that really lights me up that I want to do? Or am I doing this because I want to make somebody happy, which is a good impulse um, to want to make others happy, but I have to make sure it's not at the expense of what I need to do and what my dreams or visions or needs are. So that's something it's going to probably be a lifelong thing that I'm working on, but. And is that kind of everywhere? I mean, is that in, you know, cause I mean, as an artist, you probably are not just an artist, you're an artist. You probably have some sort of uh, 
you know, something that makes a lot more money than comedy, yes. maybe fueling all these things, but also personal life. So is it, and, you know, has it been kind of, you know, personal family life? Has it been romantic stuff? Has it been professional? Yeah, all and of has artists, all of the above. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I hope you didn't feel like you had to come on this podcast. You were saying yes to be nice. <laughs> no, I, I was, this lit me up. So I got to yes. <laughs> but it, it definitely, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I always, I'm so jealous of people who, when they have to, uh, when they have to say no to something, they're just like, no, I can't do that. Or yeah. something. And yeah. for me, it's this whole process <laughs> and mixed in with that is also not always just people pleasing, but also me as a person, I want to do everything. I want to oh. I have huge FOMO. I want to experience everything. I don't like to say no to things because you never know what you're going to discover. I want to say yes to most things, but that can get out of control when you have a limited amount of time. Uh, so accepting the limitations of time and space is very frustrating for me. I would love to just have infinite uh, um, possibilities, but limitations. But I, but I think I think I've been kind of the opposite, which is you know, and I, I, I glad it's cool that you kind of link setting boundaries to FOMO because I've been always kind of the opposite, where I only choose experiences which are kind of reliably enjoyable. And so yeah. if, it's, if it's like an opportunity that comes up, oh, let's go skydiving. It's like, well, what if I love it? Then I want to go to skydiving all the time. Or it's like traveling too. It's like, why would I, you know, take a trip to Paris when I could live in Paris? You know, like I don't want to find a great cafe in the Rue de blah, 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 you know, by the Eiffel Tower if I'm never able to go there again. And so I've always been kind of clear in, in saying no to a lot of things because I want to control my own experience such that it's replicable. Whereas like, you know, I'm doing things that I love to do every single day. And so it's very easy to say no. And it's, I mean, for me, because I have no FOMO, but also I think it's kind of in, you know, I'm also kind of a big, you know, I was kind of an argument, argument champion. And so something that comes up with being an argument champion in law school is like, a lot of times you can, you kind of agree a little bit. You've seen articles being like, well, it helps to, it helps to disagree with people if you're also agreeing a little bit. So a lot of times in saying no to people, I'm like, no, well, I, I I would do this, that, and the other, but I won't do this because of this, you know? So it's like, somebody wants me to help them move. It's like, well, I would help you pay a mover $50 if right. you need some money, but mm-hmm. I won't do this. And then they're like, oh, Brian is actually being reasonable here. He's the, he just not knee jerk and categorically saying no, absolutely not. Yeah. That's a nice middle ground. I like that. I might use that for my uh, journey into figuring <laughs> out how to set reasonable boundaries but yeah that's it's also like it's interesting like i i also kind of push back on the the notion that being edgy in comedy is you know kind of a necessary evil especially when you have kind of an idiosyncratic inner life as you seem to have because i had andrew chavon and stephen rogers on the podcast and they have a i don't know a podcast called like podcast anxiety or some shit and it's really uh and people love it because before an episode, they'll be like, what's been making you anxious? And you can see oh, it in their that. comedy. Yes. Yeah, in their comedy, you know, you know, I retweet all these funny things that they say and they are talking about, you know, how they're just kind of explaining, oh, I couldn't do this for somebody because of this, that, and, you know, I was too scared that saying no would, you know, so I ended up doing this bizarro thing. And it's really interesting to hear not the edginess, but kind of the the rich inner life that these tormented souls are. are having. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, are you like, should you be afraid to kind of just, you know, and I guess you're not afraid of it, but like, you know, can you go away from edgy and just kind of admit that or um, kind of go towards the path of your audience being like, yeah, I really love this person. Um, this person is neurotic and, and 
in exactly right. the same way that Their I am. perspective is relatable. And yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think it is definitely a, uh, something we see in comedy a lot is just kind of pushing the boundaries. And sometimes that can go into being mean or kind of like, you know, um, yeah, not necessarily being the most kind, but I like or interesting. It's easy to criticize somebody and make a joke of it in some ways. Uh, but it can be beautiful if you can kind of reveal your inner perspective and uh, have somebody relate to that and find humor in that uh, shared neuroses. I think that's definitely more the angle that I generally do go at. Oh, and I, and I guess that is, um, you know, your short film and remind me of the name because that, that seems to be kind of what you're saying, which is that, um, you know, instead of just having, I, I want to make a blockbuster film about superheroes, you're like, nah, here's this really original idea that people will be like, hell yeah, I would love to, you know, experience somebody else's central core um, with a pill. What was, yeah, the, name yeah, what was the name of the short film again? It's called Microdosing You. Yeah. Yes, I'm really everybody, everybody, everybody's been, been doing microdosing tweets for. Everybody. I know everybody's microdosing everything, so that was, but, it was of the time to be. But they've, nev- but they've never done that. Meaning, like that, that's ne- how original and maverick it is. Like I have yet to see a tweet that'd be like, "I wish I could microdose all you motherfuckers," because you, yeah. you people are weird. And so, how does it, you know, like learning to set boundaries and things like that, and saying no so that your life does not, you know, stops being your own? Because if you say yes to everything, it's like, yeah, you're just doing other people's shit all day long. I can't even imagine how awful that is. But, you know, in setting boundaries, how they, how did you also get interested in clowning at the same time, which seems to be kind of breaking through people's boundaries to find joy for them? Totally. Yeah. So I discovered clowning a couple of years ago. I first was exposed to it. I came, I was living in Portland. I came down to LA to visit my friend and he was getting deep in the clowning scene here. And I was like, oh, wow. Is there a clowning scene in LA? This is wonderful. I mean, I guess anywhere there's a good comedy scene, there's going to be a clown. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen the um, HBO, I think it's a special, but or it's a Netflix special, but it's uh, Nate by Natalie Palamides. She's she is an incredible clown. And I saw her, I saw her do her solo show here laid and it was just, it was mind blowing. And how is a clowning show different from a one person comedy show? uh, It has a lot more surreal absurdity and maybe a little bit more physical comedy. And sometimes it doesn't follow, you know, what you would see as like a grounded, I mean, there's definitely a narrative with it, but it's a lot more um, vulnerable and sort of absurdist. But what's is the show clowning? Is what do you say? Nate is Nate clowning on Netflix? It is, yeah, and it's a character that um, Natalie came up with, and it's brilliant. So I would suggest that to anybody who kind of wants to get an idea of what clowning is when it's not like it's not the red nose, you know, circus yeah. clown thing. Because I think when I, I mean, honestly, when I was first exposed to it, and my friend said, "You want to come to a clowning workshop?" That was my initial thought: was What are you? What are you doing? What What is this world? Uh, yeah. So what is it like? What are the kind of the initial yeah. core lessons that you're like, "Holy shit! I didn't know clowning was this." What are the little like? Yeah, you know, it's so, like with improv. Yes, and you know, what is the clowning kind of rules and maxims? If there yeah, are, so I think they're really varied, but um, the biggest thing that has kind of set clowning apart from some of the other comedic uh, genres that I've explored has been um, one is a connection with the audience. So really trying to engage the audience in your experience. And so breaking the fourth wall constantly. Um, 
And is that like that, going out into the crowd constantly and just making sure people are fucking, you know, you, you taking their phone from them and putting it on their lap or in their purse? It whatever. could be, it could be <laughs> anything. It could be so many different things. Well, uh, why don't comics do that? I mean, like if yeah. they took one clowning course or seen Nate on Netflix <laughs> or seen your show, like, you know, I mean, your next clowning uh, Netflix yes. special, like they, <laughs> they would know that they can do that. It's like when Brody Stevens comes out, he just does you know, he just like, you know, arms cross negative, arms cross negative. Like he's like yelling at the crowd to, to laugh at his jokes, which are not that funny, but, uh, <laughs> but he's hilarious because, you know, and when you see that, you're like, I, could, I didn't know you could do that. Right. And so like with clowning, you're like some people, you know, everybody should be forced to take an improv course, but also a clowning course, I would think. I really think so. Yeah. And it really teaches you a lot of vulnerability on stage and going out with um, it, it's risking a little bit more of the unknown because there's a little bit more organic discovery that happens. And sometimes it helps to, I mean, clowning, I, I don't use all of clowning when I do stand up, but there's a lot of emphasis too on clowning, not, not needing to be about logic. It's more like our animal instinct. So it kind of uh-huh. gets you out of your head, which for me is so helpful with acting and just life in general, uh, just trying not to get overly worried about what's going on in my mind. And then I can listen to my body, uh, which we don't tap into a lot. And, um, we don't, we often ignore our intuition or our gut instincts because we're socialized that certain things that we might have like a, you know, impulse to do aren't, it's not going to be received well, but clowning really encourages you to follow, all of your kind of base impulses, uh, which can be interesting and can actually help with setting boundaries. Because I think as a person, we, we do kind of know what we want and what we don't want. Uh If we just listen and tune in to what cues um, we're receiving from our body. And if we just feel like, Uh Oh no, I don't want that. Okay. Well, listen to your, like, start trusting your impulses and your instincts and clowning has been really helping me kind of, fine tune the instrument of listening to my body and trying to get out of my head. Cause yes. I could convince myself yes. of anything, you know, I could convince myself that I want to, you know, live a very conventional life, uh, and get married and, um, you know, become a soccer. I could convince myself to become a soccer mom if I wanted to, with <laughs> mind. but my body would consistently tell me that's not what I want to do. So I yeah. mean, and that's cool though. Cause like you would, um, you know, when somebody be like, they're, they're asking you to do something and the whole yeah. time your body is saying no, 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 no. And if you just yeah. turned off that logic brain thinking through the consequences of, Oh, what if I, if I said, no, this person would be mad, blah, blah, blah. But it's just turning off that brain. So where your body skips, your brain goes right to your mouth to say the word. No, exactly. Like, like that must've been yeah. pretty difficult to do. Yeah. And it really, really teaches you to like really open up to everything every impulse that's happening. And I feel like it's kind of ripped away that some of those layers of thought that now I can't really ignore what's happening, but I still sometimes do because I, you know, I don't want to not trust my instincts, but sometimes (laughs) being overly self-protective can have another, uh, it can saying no too much can have another, uh, things. It kind of is like staying safe all the time. Okay. So sometimes there are some times when I'm like, okay, my body's scared, but I'm not like, it's not, I'm not in danger. So maybe I just, I'm going to 
try this and see what happens. So oh, sometimes it kind of like thinking it with your body can be like, oh, why is my, like, yeah, in high fidelity, he goes, my gut has shit for brains. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like if you find yourself just having the awful butterflies about something, it's almost like your, your brain has to pull your body out at that point. But I suppose that's not in responding to people's, you know, asks for your time. It's more, why is this thing scaring me? And so is, is being present and kind of, um, you know, like I, you kind of said, I think where certain things you're kind of supposed to be scared about, or, or you said something like, yeah, there's I mean, things like that there's things that I'm supposed to be yeah, getting scary. on stage, like getting yeah. on stage or being in front of a bunch of cameras or whatever. Like, how can you turn your, you know, realize that, and I guess it's kind of an OCD thing where you're like, or, or I have OCD such that you, you yeah. have to just be like, you have to realize, okay, this is where the depression kicks in, or this is where the anxiety kicks in, or this is where the OCD And this is in. where I embrace it. And I, and I know I'm safe and I want to just, yeah. But also to like put that fear aside though, like, yes, there's a bank of cameras, like focusing on my every word and movement and things like that. How can I kind of ignore that? Like, that's just a thing I'm supposed right. to be scared of. Let me go inside to my animal instinct and just play around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and shut it. Cause your mind can convince you of how scary it is. Yeah. So, so how do you turn, how do you turn that off? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's something I'm still definitely working on. Uh, a lot of things for me that help is uh, at time, just continuing to put myself in those situations because the first time I was on stage, I, you know, I had my hands were shaking and now my hands don't shake because I just keep going up there and doing it. Another aspect is just, taking care of myself a lot. So trying to meditate and exercise and not go wild with caffeine, which is always a thing that will put you right back in your head and sugar as well. Um, and then, yeah, clowning has helped me trust and improv to trust that I can respond in a moment of uncertainty. I don't have to plan everything. I, yeah. you know, I used to, before, before I did comedy, I used to be a terrible um, performance anxiety. And when I would plan to give a, you know, presentation for work or something, I would have to memorize everything. So verbatim, I would even memorize the first line, which is like, hello, my name is Emily. <laughs> I would just write that down. I didn't trust myself at all. And now it's completely different. I write like a few points I'm going to touch on and I don't feel like I need to do that. So we, I think building on our confidence that we can survive weird situations and then we start to enjoy it. And the best time I have is always when I'm fully in the moment. Um, and I, for me, it's just time and developing that inner confidence and all, yeah. all of those things. Clowning helps me develop, trust my impulses more. Yeah. And I, and I think that's happened with me over time too, where you, you figure out that worry is the worst thing in the world because you have no, like, you're kind of worrying about your future you. But what right. sucks about that is you're not there in the scenario to kind of adjust on the fly. And so, and so when you start trusting that you, you'll be able to deal with, like, you know, over decades of life, because I'm so old, it's like, I, I'm like, oh, I was able to handle that because I yeah. was there to handle that. I was able to adjust in the fly to the circumstances as they arose. And so you have to see the future self and be like, guess what? Your present self is going to be there. And your present self has dealt with all these things in the past. Your present self is good enough to figure those things out. And so over time you develop skills and shops or whatever, if it comes to totally. a comedian, where you're like, 
guess what? I've dealt with hecklers successfully for 85 years. And guess yeah. what? The future heckler seems to have hit on the one thing that I haven't really responded to yet. But guess what? I've always adjusted on the fly and I'll be able to do, to do so at that time. So I shouldn't worry as much. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I embrace, you know, sometimes situations where I'm performing and it doesn't go well, or I'm faced with something that I didn't know how to deal with, but I got through anyway, yeah. or doing things I'm afraid of because that, you know, failure, quote unquote failure, but then also surviving that and wanting to go back up, yeah. uh, it builds a really new pa- pathway in your brain and it yes. just makes you more confident and more trusting and you don't have to plan for everything. And, you know, you have moments where you go kind of revert back to your old self and you're like, oh, I want to make sure this is going to go exactly. But that's a cue for me that, okay, I need to, I need to let go and remember, you know, remind myself of how far I've come in terms of comfort and being able to take risks. And um, I, I like building new pathways too, because I think they say the best way to learn things is not to learn it in the same way. It's yeah. not to just memorize your name for a thousand times. It's to say your name in, in 45 different situations and kind of um, incorporate new facts into your learning. Cause then you're almost relearning. It's almost you're cementing that, that pathway is being cemented with each slightly different iteration. And so just memorizing your name is not enough. You actually have to go out there and say it 4,000 situations. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And just exposing yourself to a million different things that might scare you and realizing you're totally okay, if not invigorated by it is a new, a new neural pathway that is much more empowering than the feeling of stagnation when you're, you know, staying when, when I stay safe, too safe. So I think clowning has helped definitely with encouraging me to take risks, but there's still that moment too with boundaries as well, where it's like, all right. And then, you know, sometimes you want to take a, take a moment, take a week to just sort of recollect your thoughts. And that's okay too. I mean, that's, that's just so cool too. Cause you're like, you have to expose, you have to expose yourself to things that scare you. And some, some people are scared of clowns, but it's so funny that <laughs> yes. you, you have taught me that one thing to use to conquer your fear is to kind of learn the cardinal cardinal rules of clowning, which yeah. is to kind of get out of your head. And so the person who has taught me that is Emily Maverick Shankman. And she's yes. everywhere on social. See, she's Emily <laughs> underscore Maverick because we remember that uh, her great, 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 great grandfather just did not brand his cattle. He was like, dude, they know, people know these are my cows, right? Yeah, exactly. Let them free range. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I'm so scared of clowns, but I decided to become one. I think that's good thesis for where I'm at right now. And what's the name of the short film and where can we see that? Are you going to be able to post clips to Emily? Yeah, so it's called Microdosing. No? Yeah, it's called Microdosing You. And I'll be able to post that. It'll probably be up actually a week from today. So. Good. Stay tuned for that. Yes. Well, this episode should post sometime this week. And so people will look out for that. And you'll be posting uh, links via Emily underscore Maverick. I will. Yes. And you can also check me out on YouTube. I have some films up there too. So you can check those out as well. You can see her being present and just forgetting all the cameras are right in her face. Emily Maverick Shankman, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you.